Hello and welcome to an Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming live to CHDTV. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and with me this afternoon is Dr. Javier Figueroa. It's so awesome whenever we can get this uh, busy gentleman, scientist, researcher, <laughs> citizen activist on there the show with us. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah, welcome. You know what? We've got our, our guest uh, working on getting a good connection. So uh, while she gets that underway, um, and I'll, I'll let Nathan take care of making sure she's hooked up with us. Um, we just heard some really good news, didn't we? Oh, um, we certainly did. <laughs> so CDC director, who was director since about 2020, I believe, Rochelle Walensky, has announced she is stepping down. Um, you know, I celebrate this as good news. Uh, if those of you have been um, following the show for a while, throughout COVID, we we showed clips of her, and you know, Javier, it was embarrassing. Yes, it was. Yeah, absolutely embarrassing. I mean, I think the wor- her one of her worst moments. You know, leadership. I was always taught. When you're a leader of people, you step up to the mic and you say, you know what, we're going to do this. Don't be afraid. Everybody be calm. You know, we're going to get things done. We're going to provide information. You know, you know, you you provide that calm leadership. And what did she do? The exact opposite. That time she stepped up to the mic and she goes, I'm really afraid. Oh, you know, I mean, and she just and then she said. She said something about um, going off script, and then she glanced down and looked at her script. script exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just, you know, no, and she was begging people to get these ridiculous COVID shots that don't prevent infection transmission, hospitalization, exactly. or death, and then do come with unprecedented um, injury. So good riddance, I say. And that's Indeed. not, I, you know, I really, it's not kind of me. I, I, I always tell myself, Javier, I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to, I'm not going to do ad hominem attacks. I'm not going to make it personal. I try to keep it about the per, the job, but it's really hard to do in this situation when, was she an actress hired? I mean. No, she, she has a PhD, but she was definitely someone who was reading off a script and was willing to go along with the program. Now, what's interesting is that most people don't realize is that just about every single cabinet appointee from CDC to DOD all across the board, there have been several affidavits and complaints filed against each and every one of these individuals, Javier Becerra, Rochelle Walensky, um, uh, 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 Secretary of Defense Austin, Lloyd Austin, and it turns out that none of them I'd say like 95% of them, even Peter Buttigieg, their oath of offices are not complete. And that is a direct violation of federal law. That is, 
They don't I don't have, know what that means. What does that mean to have an incomplete oath of office? That means that basically they are imitating federal officials. They are not legal officials. That is, their uh, appointment affidavits either do not have the seal, do not have the, the proper name or the signature, and do not have a notarized seal on them. So wow. 95% of every one of the cabinet appointees at, and, and the directors at those levels do not have a legal and binding appointment affidavit or oath of office. And one of the things that happened is that um, the there was a, a, a complaint filed by Lisa McGee at Vax Choice, uh, basically stating that she was never sworn in properly, and therefore she was not the legal uh, director of CDC. And as a matter of fact, that is a direct federal regulation that if you do not have a legally enforceable affidavit 30 days post your position being in place you are acting the part you are not the legal director therefore you are actually she can actually be tried with um uh, what's the what's the proper term um imitating or uh not imitating but um impersonating impersonating a federal official. <laughs> oh no! And that goes, and that goes for Javier Becerra. That goes for Lloyd Austin. That goes for Peter Budigig. Every one of them can actually be tried. For okay. Them. So, at the very best, being very generous, it's utter incompetence of whoever's supposed to be taking care of dotting the i's and crossing the t's. But if on the other side, conspiracy side, as it were, um, and conspiracies can be really just got to find Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Sure, the facts are oh, lined yeah. up that something was intentional in order to defer or refer or remove responsibility in some manner to distance. Correct. So the Correct. government could distance themselves from these officials that they put Correct. out there, put and them the, out there to hang basically. Well, you're on one, your own. <laughs> One is that there is legal. There might be a legal case for treason, but if you are impersonating a federal official, you're not committing treason. You're impersonating a federal official. So that is something that's been discussed as wow. to why so many of the Biden administration's top officials, to a person, have have these uh, oath of office and affidavits uh, of confirmation uh, that are incomplete or non-binding. Wow. So Very once, concerning. yeah, once, once is an error, twice is coincidence, three times is directed enemy action. <laughs> it That's, certainly seems like seems it. That it, way. it. Right. You know, and I'm really proud of this nation because for the first couple of years, everybody was scrambling and didn't know what action could be taken in so many areas to stop the nonsense going exactly. on. And, and, you know, it was really tempting at certain points to just give up, say nothing we're doing is working. They're not listening. You know, everything is fraudulent, but people exactly. were dogged in every corner. I'm so proud of everybody who found Absolutely. that bone and they weren't going to let it go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's so that right. was good news all around. My guess is that we're going to start seeing a lot of these top government officials stepping down as these complaints and uh, writs of quo oranto. Yeah. come into effect as more and more federal judges basically say you're absolutely correct you're within you're within your rights at the federal level to seek uh to, to basically seek uh 
relief for this for this problem. We're going to start seeing a lot more of this. And then moving forward, do you think those same entities who revealed it will be watching very closely to see if oh, the yeah. replacement has the same issues and then bring it out to light much no one, more? Quickly? No one is going to step up to these positions. You're going to find that there is going to be, they're going to be unfillable just because of the amount of baggage that it comes. The the yeah, the, the wow. legal repercussions are going to be so great that no one in their right mind will step up. And I do oh. mean no one in the right mind. Oh, that's interesting. Even even let's say, you know, oh, I forgot to give the disclaimer. Um, the views expressed on this show are not necessarily those <laughs> of KKNW or CHD TV, but just Javier and I and our guests uh, talking, <laughs> you know, um, and we're not doctors or attorneys. OK, but that said, if there's a change of administration, um, you know, w- would at what point does somebody stepping into these roles that have been so tainted, do they become fresh entities where that baggage isn't something they can be accused of? Right. I mean, is that basically they have to announce that the actions that were uh, taken by these individuals have absolutely no standing in law and basically ab initio, they're completely and utterly reversed. So everything that was done before them, basically anything that they did was illegal and therefore was, you know, they have to basically start all over. So a person (laughs) stepping in basically has to say, this is the law. This is how it has to happen. So for example, mandates, uh, all these, all these effects go back to square one because they, under the law, it's as if they never happened. So that means any changes that occurred under Walensky's uh, leadership have to be wiped out and you have to start from square one. And you named the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Javier Becerra. So U.S. Attorney's Office, the District of Columbia, in regard to Lisa McGee, the petitioner, on petition for writ of quo waranto, and quo waranto basically translates to under what, um, under what law or under what uh, mandate do you have your place in office? To the U.S. Attorney in the District of Columbia regarding the Director of Center of Center of Disease Control and Toxic Substances Disease Registry, Rochelle Walensky, U.S. Secretary of Treasury Janet Yellen. She also didn't have a completed affidavit uh, or, or oath of office. U.S. Secretary of Ener- Energy Jennifer Granholm, FDA Principal Deputy Commissioner Janet Woodcock, U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services Javier Becerra, U.S. Secretary of Transportation Peter Buttigieg. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. It just goes on and on. None of them had None of them. Okay, this is, so, we're going to have to come back next week and talk about this more because I'm like, this is brand new. Listeners, I had no idea that Javier was bringing us this amazing (laughs) case here. This is, this is huge. So the... Health and Human Services is the individual who called for the state of emergency that allowed the EUA shots to happen. All of Correct. that. This is massive. Correct. If Javier Becerra, if this goes through, basically every single act that was done to Javier Becerra and his prior, uh, his the prior leadership, if it is shown that they do not have assigned an appropriate oath of office means that their entirety of the program gets wiped out. Anything that they did just gets wiped out. It's as if it never happened. I feel like I'm in like that really bad episode of, 
of Dallas where he wakes up and realizes the past season was a dream. Yeah. On, only we still got the damage of the dream. So it gets wiped out, but the it damage gets- doesn't get wiped out. So um, no, and any protection yeah. that Pfizer and Moderna had also gets wiped out. Oh, woohoo! That I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is going to be really interesting to follow. Thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. You got um, it. You know what? There's one other subject I want to get to, but we'll get to it later in the show. I I want to quiz you somewhat on mRNA education of legislators. So, but um, let's. Yay. So yeah, let's, so let's go ahead though um, and bring on uh, Lynette Madsen. Lynette Madsen is working with this organization called standfirmnow.org. Um, welcome to an informed life radio. Lynette, how are you? Let's see if we can hear you. Oh, let's see now where she froze. Yeah, I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Oh yeah, I can hear you. There's a bit of a delay, oh. but let, let, we're going to see if we can make it work. It's okay. Um, so that I met Lynette last weekend at a big health event in in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's the, it's the coolest thing. Now, over the past several years, I've heard several, um, of many attempts to use common law, um, in order to try to right the wrongs that have been going on because our court systems and, and everything have just been kind of somewhat corrupt and on the, you know, not on the right side of things. And so going back to the basis of, of common law, um, but I've never seen anything like this because what this involves is so very specific um, and it's got, it's got what I think is teeth, right? It's very specific statements <laughs> and it's the medical community be uh, recording in writing and in video testimony what they witnessed and what they experienced and all of this is being collected and it's going to be at some point presented before a court uh, in an attempt to lead to criminal charges, if I'm understanding it right. So Lynette, I'm going to, um, I guess, you know where I'd like to back up just a little bit here. I'd like to find out a little bit about you and, and how this came to be, how this campaign came to be. Right. Thank you so much for having me. Can do you hear me okay now? Yes. Okay. Interesting that we'd have any problem. I'm in the middle of San Diego. I'm not in rural country, but hopefully we can make this work. But th- thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and so fun to meet you last weekend. And last weekend and now we were talking about this very this very subject that um, I'm representing standfirmnow.org. And the way this came to be, um, we is from a common law approach. I work for CL Trust Solutions and everything we do is common law, constitutional law. Um, we come from the Supreme Law of the Land. I don't think many people understand that. And so our common law approach is actually, you know, so many people have been filing lawsuits all across the country in regards to the COVID, the, the jabs, in, in, um, the vaccines, the mandates, everything that's been happening, and nothing has worked. So our common law approach to justice is coming in from a very different angle. We are collecting 
4,000 affidavits. Now, these affidavits are from doctors, nurses, medical practitioners. If you go to our website, um, it lists all the different people that are expert witnesses that can participate. You can and uh, fill out an affidavit. All the instructions are there. But um, an affidavit, the power of an affidavit is so strong. And I think that that's not necessarily understood. But a, an affidavit is if you were to walk into a court and they were to uh, read you uh, what they normally read you, and then you were to raise your right hand and swear an oath that what you were telling is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and it is your sworn testimony. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the power of this affidavit. You're being able to do this affidavit without being in front of a judge or in a court. So we're collecting, and, and that is the list right there. So many people that can be involved that are expert witnesses that have, that have information, that have witnessed but we're going to collect these 4,000 affidavits. They will be submitted into a court of law on what's called a negative averment. What that means is um, the statutory way and the way that everything else has been done, you should go in, you file it in a court of law. Um, that creates the case, opens the case. Now they go out and they do discovery, right? Yes. And then they come back once they finish this year, might be years if they're lucky, and then they and they start from there. Um, Lynette, I'm, this I'm negative environment. We have yeah. our 380 exhibits on our website. You can go and see one of all the top witnesses, experts, Lynette. the scientists, the biochemists, the doctors in the country. We have an answer. Yeah. And Lynette, that's what's being can you hear me, submitted Lynette? into this negative. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm going to ask you if you, would turn your, if you could turn your camera off and that might Im- improve things a little bit. Then we won't be using so much bandwidth on your Internet there. Um, that way, can hopefully we can hear you. I mean, you'll have to actually turn it off. Does that help? Um, I can't tell that the camera is off. It's blacked, but it's OK. That's off. OK. All right. Let's see if that helps a bit. So, yeah, so could you re- yeah, repeat the, the last little bit that you did, please? Okay. okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> negative environment <clears throat> means that we have gone out. We've collected all the evidence with the four. And we have the expert witnesses, 4,000 of them. We've got over 380 pieces of evidence per each 4,000 affidavit. Those are then admitted into court. Now the case begins and they've got 30 days to come back and prove all 4,000 in 380 why those are not why those are not valid and they can't do it. So they've got 30 days to do that. At the end of the 30 days, we win. Now, once we win... So, and, and explain to me, this is where, you know, I, it gets complicated for me. Explain to me what, what winning means. Well, it means that, that um, our case is now not kicked out of court. It means that we have proven our point. We've proven um, that um, what, what we're, we're, we've proven 
that the vaccines were bioweapons, that they weren't vaccines. And by the way, in um, 2021, the definition of a vaccine was changed yes. to meet their narrative. But, yes. <laughs> thank you, doctor. We have, but it's all of these things combined. Now, when we, um, we can then start our prosecution and it means starting, we can start filing lawsuits against um, starting from the top on down. Anybody okay. who has a, had anything to do to administering um, these mandates from the top to the bottom, including doctors that were forcing or anybody enforcing. And is it, okay, is it just COVID-19 shot specific or are we talking about hospital protocols? We're um, talking about all of it. All of it. Everything right. that the the medical community was incentivized to do or blocked from doing, that sort of thing, from the hospital protocols to the shots, all of that, yes. individuals in the healthcare community who saw it happen, um, they are putting it down in paper and video testimony. Um, okay. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Yes, Do you uh, have any examples our, of what you could share at this point or are you at that stage yet? Yeah, we've got, if you on our website on our, we've got the affidavit. So it's a done for you. We've done, we had, the, um, the, the five docs that came together and they came up with the 28, um, COVID commonalities that most any medical professional or any um, professional could agree upon. Mm -hmm. Those are the 28 COVID commonalities. Now, if you don't agree with one of those, you cross it out. The rest of the affidavit is still just as valid. Okay. And then all of those exhibits that we have apply to each um, affidavit. So you don't have to go out and find your own. But if you have a diff additional um, information or additional um, evidence that you want to submit, you absolutely can. And we do have we do have some doctors and nurses that do that. And that's fabulous because that can then become part of your affidavit, your truth. Now, here's here's something um, that I that, you know, my, my partners are Dr. Christian Northrup. And she's pretty well known among this audience. So Christian Northrup was actually um, tasked by our legal counsel to um, start this project. And as she started this project, um, you know, it's pretty daunting to think you're going to go out and collect all these. And it was started out with 16,000. And, I, you know, I said, I'm, I knew her and knew her well, and we got connected through common law and through CL trust solutions and working on some things. And I said, well, I'm not a doctor. I can't sign, but I certainly know how to drive the masses and work with people. So I jumped on board to help her. And then our other colleague, um, Gail McRae, who's a whistleblower, she was at the conference last week. Mm -hmm. I knew her story. So we brought her on board. So the three of us are stand firm now. And we're the ones that you see on the website. We're the ones that go around doing the affidavit signing parties and do these um, broadcasts to help make people aware. But uh, Dr. Northrup was actually had a friend of hers that was a doctor in Maine who um, had a, an incident where she where he was not happy that his daughter, unbeknownst to him, was vaccinated. Mm -hmm. 
And that was causing um, some problems. And he was kind of wanting, talking to Dr. Christian Northrup about it. And um, Dr. Northrup was talking to our legal, legal counsel and our legal counsel. This is so, this is so cool. He said, here's what I would do. In my opinion, I would walk into any medical review board regarding COVID shots because this doctor now, his license is um, in jeopardy. This was, was like a year, year and a half ago. And to this day, he's still fighting for his license. I would walk into any medical review board regarding COVID shots and pose a question before dealing with any of their concerns regarding my failure to approve, disseminate the COVID shot. The question is, do you have, and I want to see, your limited immunity document supplied to you from both the county prosecutor's office as well as the U.S. attorney's office for engaging in an ongoing felony homicide program. Then I would read them their Miranda rights. I would place a tape recorder in front of the table in front of them and say, let's begin. Wow. So Lynette, I mean, um, I don't know if you can see Javier, he's cracking up. He's loving this. Um, so how, and as, and as fantastic as that is, how does that jive with Although, did you catch the beginning of what Javier is saying that nothing that the, any of these people did was valid? So yes, this might be yes. a moot point at some point. Yep. But how does that jive with the PrEP Act where everybody was left off the hook for responsibility? Basically, it was a get out of prison free card. Um, how, how, how does that what, you know, that sort of accusation jive with that? that so... Here's 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 the rest of the setup for this because you, you it's not uh, you can't engage in um, homicide like that and think you're going to get a get out of jail card free no matter what no matter what um, so the setup for this on the medical side in 2006 all health facilities and hospitals healthcare facilities were made part of law enforcement by the DOJ. Now, most people don't understand that, but that's the reason why you go into a healthcare facility today and you give up your rights because you've crossed over. You've gone into law enforcement agency. Mm -hmm. So in 2019, the NDAA, the National Defense Authority Act, um, was put under the Defense Health Agency, the DHA, which in all of this now is um, military medical martial law. This is all part of the setup. So if you are a doctor, a nurse, a practitioner, anybody in those health facilities or the hospitals administering any um, or any shots, any to remdesivir, to any of this, you are complicit and you are part of their um, their mandate, what they're doing, unless you opted out. So, so you're complicit, even if you're ignorant to the fact that you're complicit. Is that correct? I mean, that is correct. Because when, when have we ever known um, ignorance to be approved by the law? Um, but right. I mean, but you know, to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I mean, I'm with you hundred percent on all this, but you know, 
I mean, at some point of these doctors, I don't understand how they couldn't see the harm being done by anything that they were being told to do. But at least early on, I mean, how how would anybody have even guessed that all of this had been there? It was so buried. There was no, you you know, you go to medical school and you're taught all of this and you're, ta you're taught about insurance fraud. You're taught all sorts of things about the law and medicine. You certainly are not taught this. And then what, what year did you say that this all came to be? Um, Started in 2016 and then again in 2019. And remember, and so in 2020, public health emergency, international um concern like uh, under the who was declared as a result and we're so that all of that ties into um medical military martial law and yes to your point nobody is schooled in to the atrocities and the draconian measures that have gone on but look at the hundreds I'm by the thousands of doctors and nurses and that are awake that know, and they've tried, they've been out there with their voices and yeah. these, and the others can, but also, and Dr. Xavier, I'm sure you, you'll shake your head to this when all the, the papers and documents that are coming out now showing how much doctors and hospitals were paid yeah. per oh, yeah. COVID or um, vaccine shot. Oh yeah, all that's all that's been Absolutely. out for a while now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it actually lines up with uh, the work of uh, Catherine Watt and Sasha Latipova, in which they actually uh, have been documenting all the interlocking laws and agencies that allowed for what exactly you stated. Every single hospital, every single health group, became basically a captured uh, entity under the Department of Justice and the Department of Defense and Health and Human Services. Uh, with with these changes in laws. So you're absolutely correct. And it begins to make sense why so many people are actually calling uh, these hospitals the new concentration camps. Yes. Um, yes. Because you have no rights. And it's heartbreaking that these um, mothers go in to deliver a baby and the hospital has full control over that baby and what happens to that baby and then they have to fight to get the baby out of the hospital and that's why um, um, people are having a hard time getting their elderly parents or their loved ones out of the hospital and they're having to really fight and you can't the police aren't going to help you the sheriffs aren't going to help you because it's law enforcement they're law enforcement so there, so people are being left with no, no way, nowhere to turn. And so this whole, this stand firm now is actually a movement. It's something that um, people, that people can do right now. They can stand up, they can stand firm, they can take a stand by doing their affidavit and, um, like I said, all the instructions are there on the website. You can print it. Mm -hmm. There is one that you can, is an example of just the few places on there that you have to put in your information to make it you. Mm -hmm. And then you print it. You do have to have it notarized because, and for it to be entered into a court of law, it does need to be notarized. And then you can upload it back um, right directly to our site. And those are taken down twice a day. They don't stay. They don't okay. live 
overnight. They're taken down and they're stored in three different places across the country. And so, yeah, thank you, doctor. So they're, um, they're very protected. And then you read into video just two um, short paragraphs. And then you upload that video from your cell phone. Can't write uh, same place that you do with the, um, the affidavit. But it was, it, what's fun is when we do these affidavit signing parties, like last week in Nashville, we did one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or my partner Gail spoke at the nurses um, con- uh, conference on Friday. And on Saturday, we had an affidavit signing in one hour. We had 25 doctors and nurses, people come through. Yeah, in one hour, we had 25 come through and do their affidavits. And they all talk about how empowering that feels when they do that affidavit and then they just for one or two minutes read just those couple of paragraphs into the video. Mm -hmm. It is powerful. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there are a lot of nurses that are in uh, class action lawsuits and doctors that are in lawsuits and they're struggling, you know, to keep their, uh, their license, things like this, doing this affidavit in no way affects negatively anything else you're doing. In fact, it's support of, and it helps. That's so good to know. I'm sharing here. Um, hope you can see this from your website or from the, um, Oh, remind me, a standfirmnow.org. There's an example of a filled out affidavit. So I'm just going to, for our audio only listeners, kind of read through this here. So it gives the name of the individual. In this case, it was somebody named Gail and says um, that she was an RN and BSN, checked the nurse box, gave address and phone number. I, I take it since it's on your website, you're okay with her sharing this. Yeah. <clears throat> um, And then all of this is notarized and it says the state where she is, says she's signing Mm -hmm. under penalty of perjury. Um, Then we go down and there's the affidavit. Oh, this is just the affidavit. So um, what she's staying stating is in her, is this everybody's? Um, There never was a naturally occurring COVID-19 pandemic. See exhibits two, three, five through eight, 44, 45, 48, 54, 56, 222. And 287. Um, Yeah, so every affidavit says exactly the same thing. The blanks are where you've seen where Gail has filled this out. Gail's actually um, the whistleblower. My partner, Gail McRae. Okay, excellent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Um, that's just to show you that's the only places you have to fill out. So then the very back page. Um, is where you do have to sign a couple of places with, but with the notary present. Okay. So I, I guess I misunderstood a little bit. So thank you for clarifying that because I was, I was sort of thinking that the individuals were stating their own experiences, but they're just attesting that that whole list of like all these other um, pieces of evidence that you have there, they're just testifying in their experience that those are true. Is that correct? The, well, the 20 commonalities are in the pages that follow what you saw, Gail, that first page where you saw Gail okay. uh, making it her own. Mm-hmm. The next pages are the 28 commonalities that the five docs came up with that pretty much everybody could okay. agree upon. And that's where I'm saying if there happens to be one of the 28 or two or three that you say you can't yeah. attest to, you just take a pen and cross it out. And then the rest is good. 
Where can I find those 28? I didn't see that. I'd like to show that. They're right in, they're in the following pages after what you just were showing that Gail. It it, it was on that PDF? Yes. Okay. It didn't, let me, let me try doing that example. Yes. Um, And then when it, when it um, mentions the exhibits, remember I said we have over 380 exhibits. Those are all on the website. You can go look at those and read those. So that okay. you can see what the exhibits are. Yeah, I was, for the viewers who could see, I was scrolling through all those wonderful exhibits, recognizing names, recognizing documents. It, it Wow, this is so wonderfully uh, thorough. So I did find uh, the page here, and I'll share it, where you've got the... Um, here's a blank affidavit, and that's where underneath is listed, and it's thing, let's see. Uh, it... The term pandemic is hereby defined as a pandemic, an exceptionally widespread epidemic. So anyway, they define what they mean by pandemic. The cases of so-called COVID-19 data gathering that created the so-called pandemic was a misrepresentation. Absolutely. Manipulation of the PCR test cycle threshold. Yes. True cases of COVID-19 conditions were never counted for. Uh, Number eight is a COVID case should have been depicted at the very least as a cough or a fever. Number nine, the cycle threshold. So it addresses that. Number 10, um, SARS-CoV-2 virus that caused this, and this is all in quotes, SARS-CoV-2 viruses in quotes, and the pandemic in quotes, has never been isolated. Number 11, and that, you know, I I really don't understand that because I've heard arguments on both sides of this, and I don't really understand that whole isolation thing. Well, if I may step in. Yes, please do. For example, Under traditional isolation techniques, you have to go through what is called a uh, a gravity centrifugation gradient or either a sucrose or a salt gradient under high speed in order to separate particles by by their density. And that's usually how you isolate uh, viruses that are unknown. Uh, Most of what has been done is basically they've been using PCR or genomic uh, alignment to see if they can find it. And uh, for most of the cases that were used, they were all basically PCR or antigen um, um, identified. For isolation to occur, each and every health agency has to basically take a patient sample, see if they can actually culture it, and then separate it out using that gradient and see if they can reinfect cells again to to basically get a replication of the virus and get it enough quantity to actually measure it. So there's debate. Old school virologists would look at this and say, this is worthless. This is no proof that there's a virus. The newer batch of virologists, which are not as well-trained, unfortunately, uh, that don't have the, that rely mostly on molecular methods would say that's sufficient. And the reality is, is that no, that is insufficient. They might've actually been culturing something else and they just mistook it for SARS-CoV-2. It takes decades decades to come to an agreement as to whether or not a new virus has been isolated. So let me ask you this question. Um, If they've not done the old school style, you know, definitive, the virus has been isolated. Um, And then we've got the fact that there's a huge amount of evidence that this is a lab escape virus. How do the two, those two ideas mesh? Are they avoiding isolating it because it's escaped from a lab? I mean, um, it, it, can there both be a virus and not a virus isolated? You know, and that, that's a good question. So a lot of 
some people have commented that this is basically uh, some people have hypothesized that this is not just a virus. If there is a virus, uh, that this was, wasn't just a pandemic, but it's being sprayed by illegal means into populations or they're using chemical methods to simulate the effects of a viral infection. And there's several methods for simulating a viral-like infection or a pulmonary infection using chemicals. <clears throat> Okay, that's really interesting. And, and but if that is the case, what how oh, how does ivermectin work? Because ivermectin blocks the cells receptors mm -hmm. to SARS-CoV-2, as well as um, uh, blocks. You know, it's got it's got like five mechanisms. Of exactly. Yeah. That they figured out. So there, for some people, at least, a virus is proven to be an um, involved. Right. involved, yeah. It, you know, maybe they're just trying to make it so dang muddy. They keep all of us confused and arguing exactly. within ourselves so that we don't know for sure what's going on. <laughs> That's exactly it. There yeah. you go. There we go. So I'm just, thank you so much for that, Javier. It's been bugging me for a long time. This whole, is there, isn't there, and there could be, even if it's not identified, it's just a big, it's, it's just, a, Exactly. And the other part of it is that, you know, this, if the virus is as transmittable as they claim it to be, um, you know, the lethality was still low considering how, you know, if this was a brand new virus, uh, it suggests that maybe there were uh, individual groups or individual methods for delivering uh, these airborne particles that cause mm -hmm. the disease symptoms uh, at many different locations. And some people have hypothesized as to why all of a sudden you get hot spots and those go away, but you don't, you don't see many of any other centers. It was a, one of these very random occurrences that it, for a highly infectious virus, you would expect it to be more widespread. Mm -hmm. The evidence is, you know, there's some evidence to show that, yeah, it was as widespread. Another evidence showing that it never really achieved the sort of uh, viral penetration. So to your point, yes, it's very muddy and that's by design. Yeah. It seems that way. I'm going to keep going through the list here quickly to give people an idea of, of what is on here. Um, I, number 11 is um, that they are attesting to uh, safe and effective treatments for the COVID-19 condition have been well established by doctors and scientists from around the world since March 2020. Amen to that. And then it cites the exhibits that support that. Number 12, unfortunately, despite significant scientific and clinical evidence, these doctors and scientists have been ignored and censored. 13, those with vitamin D levels, and it gives the levels, um, have reduced rates of hospitalization. Uh, 14, we also know that vitamin D, K2, zinc, and copper, quercetin, HCQ, and acetylcysteine, vitamin C, ivermectin, and inhaled steroids have been highly effective. Amen. Um, and I'm just reading the highlights of these things. They're pretty short, um, but 15, the survival rate for COVID was 99.9% .9 in the majority of the population. Amen. 16, there was never a need for a, quote, vaccine because safe and effective treatments were widely available. 17, the COVID-19 injections are not vaccines. They are countermeasure prototype military biowarfare agents owned by DOD until injected. Wow, they are up to date, Javier, right? <laughs> I mean, the, Lynette, wow, this is amazing because, um, you know, that's really in the past few months that this has been emerging and you guys are right on top of it. Well, we are constantly updating as new evidence comes out. 
um, we'll update it or we, and, and we continually collect almost every day. We're adding more exhibits into evidence there. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is great. Number 18, the COVID-19 injections were never successfully scientifically proven to behave like vaccines. Number 19, COVID-19 injections were not appropriately examined for safety. Um, Oh, lots of citations on that. Number 20, the data from the COVID-19 injections clinical trials were hidden from the public along with large numbers of adverse events and deaths associated with them. Look at all those exhibits. 21, the COVID-19 injections have caused unprecedented numbers of deaths and severe adverse events, heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, myocarditis, birth defects, sudden adult death, mm-hmm. autoimmunity, cancer, neurological disorders, including Bell's palsy, dementia, Guillain-Barre syndrome, miscarriages, stillbirth, and infertility. Long-term study outcomes are not available ton of citations. 22, the COVID-19 injections were authorized under the EUA emergency use authorization and could only be administered to the public if safe and effective alternative treatments were not were found not to be available. And the fact that safe and effective treatments were found to be available and were banned and censored explains the use of underhanded and coercive policies. Ugh. Amen. 23. This is so brilliant. Uh, Reporting of unprecedented numbers of deaths and adverse events from the COVID-19 injections has been absent from mainstream news sources, government agencies, medical institutions, and the manufacturers themselves. 24. Patients admitted to hospitals were and still are subjected to protocols driven by incentive payments for all things related to COVID-19 through the CARES Act, insurance incentives, and the threat of being fired. The use of remdesivir continues to have deadly outcomes. 25. For the first time in history, healthy people were quarantined. The COVID lockdown measures, masks, social distancing, and the closing of all essential business, but what they deemed essential. Right businesses did uh far if if i can suggest an edit lynette my little aside there saying but what they deemed essential if you want to just update that because right what they decided things were essential that were absurd the the local liquor store was essential but your local church was not i mean (laughs) who made that decision um 26 exhibits in support of this affidavit are numerous and available upon request and or service of process and litigation civil or criminal 27, the record for judicial review generally has been limited to the administrative record. So participants who fail to develop evidence during internal review risk forfeiting the use of that evidence in district court. Um, it's like affidavit lingo 2829 there. Wow. I mean, that is, I, I'm going to go back later on and just relish reading that. And I'm going to spread the word here. I love this. It's so, it's so thorough. Um Everything's cited. And then just finding the individuals who say, yes, ma'am, that's what happened. I'm going to put my name to it, swear to it. And what brave, fantastic individuals. But, you know, Lynette and, and Javier, this is where we are. We are in fifth generation warfare. And it's a war of words. It's a war of propaganda. It's a war of marketing. Um, it's a war of deception. It's the strangest thing ever. And we need all of these everyday citizens to step up and be our soldier heroes in a very peaceful way. We are always, always peaceful. Um, and you can't get more peaceful than abiding by the law and utilizing the law to, to show the criminal activities that have been going on. And actually Bernadette, you know, the, the common law way 
mm-hmm. is to be peaceful and respectful. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. The statutory side is the side that gets all riled up and that gets and, and they get, you know, all the fighting and all the, the common law way is very much respectful, very mm-hmm. much um, um, under the radar. Like just well, how do you say it? respectful? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the first and the first rule of common law, just like medicine is first do no harm. Yes. Oh, absolutely. wow. Do no harm. That that is so fantastic that that's, that's why we call this our a uh, common law approach mm-hmm. to justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, I, that's why and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to go through the whole affidavit like that, because, like I said in the beginning, I think one of the problems is just that people don't realize how powerful an affidavit really is. Yes. And. We, you know, we've gone to great pains to have that affidavit be s- extremely spot on, and we mm-hmm. can really change it. And mm-hmm. we've had a couple of doctors look at it and say, uh, "We recommend this, or we recommend that." And the, the one of the cool things about our legal counsel, he has no ego in this. If mm-hmm. they have a way that that something can be phrased in there that makes it better, more mm-hmm. powerful, he's he's all about it because it in the end. It is the truth of the doctors and the nurses, the practitioners. Yeah. And so, you know, we really appreciate that. But and and as you see, those articles, mm-hmm. exhibits are things that are out there. Do, do you have listed the wonderful? Um, oh, what's the name of that? It, it um, that Dr. Henry Ely and his team put together, and it's. Um, it, they're calling for a congressional hearing. Well, there there are congressional hearings going on right now. Holy cow, right? But the, it was all about the PCR test and what the CDC did, how they changed how to fill out death certificates, all of that. Is that part of your, I didn't notice if, if that was in there. Um, I would. <laughs> I'll send you the link and you can see if it's something that you want to add to your affidavit process. Yeah, please send yes. it because anything like that, that anybody thinks would be, oh my um, yeah, deemed not to be valuable. We collect it and we'll put it in there. Okay. Absolutely. So Henry, uh, has the grand jury petition that he's, I think still working on mm-hmm. and he has a timeline associated with it as well. And he has a paper that he wrote with IPAC basically outlining what the problem was for death counts and how they're, they they can't be correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is fantastic. We got uh, about two minutes left here, folks. And so um, again, this is Lynette Madsen and the website is standfirmnow.org. So F I R M standfirmnow.org. And, you know, uh, anybody working in the health field, go there. And there's a whole list of different types of healthcare individuals and medical individuals, practitioners, technicians, you are invited to participate this. And if we get this groundswell, you know, they're shooting for 4,000 before filing, right? But I mean, the sky's the limit. How many practitioners are there in the United States of America? Let's get everybody signed up. Way more than 4,000. We, we want everyone to have a have a turn. And before, um, before if, if in, in ending, I could just say, there is a, a, a really great um, event coming up June 20th. It's all online. I don't yeah. know if anybody's, fam- you know, if you're familiar with The Way Forward, The Way Forward is actually 
the ones that are hosting and putting on, but it's called The End of COVID. If you go to theendofcovid.com, you can put your, your name in there to receive an email, but there's 77 of the absolute top speakers in the country that you will recognize. I think Henry um, Ely is on that one too. Yeah, let's look that up. Dr. Henley or Dr. H as we call him. And in our next hour, you won't be with us, Lynette, but we'll pull that up and we'll show show everybody. Um, Theendofcovid.com? Yes. Is there two E's? The end of The end? Yeah, theendofcovid.com. All right. Oh, I found it. Oh, it's cool. It's got this old fashioned great thing. So we'll, we'll share that the next hour. Lynette Madsen, it is such a pleasure to have met you and to know you. Thank you for coming on and Inform Life Radio. Uh, Javier and I are taking a break and then we'll come back in a few minutes. Um, we'll be back. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're looking you, for Dr. a publication that delivers critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than the Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. I need somebody to show me, somebody to show me the love. We need a revolution. Hello, hello. Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming live to CHD TV. With me today is Dr. Javier Figueroa. And last hour, wasn't that amazing? Yes, um, it was. I'm very excited about that process. Um, you know, America's figuring it out. They're diving down. There are so many people. And what you started up the hour uh, with, where can we go read what you brought us? 
Um, so let me go and look it up right now. Yeah, you I look have... that up. So I'm going to repeat standfirmnow.org. Check it out if you're in the health or medical field. Um, see if you can participate in this fantastic campaign to really seek, um, you know, hold those accountable who have been forcing some of this criminality of what's um, of what's going Absolutely. on. Um so I found it, if I, if you don't mind, I found it on uh, Sasha Latipova's um, uh, Substack. Wonderful. But here's the thing. I think you're going to know these these two gentlemen. Okay. Um, the two gentlemen that, the two lawyers that filed it on behalf of, uh, of Lisa McGee are uh, Kenneth Ferguson and Todd Callender. Todd Callender. Oh, yeah, I know that name. Wonderful. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, that's great. Um, that That's fantastic. So, you know, what we'll do is we'll make sure we put, you know, Informed Choice Washington as a substack and the wonderful, uh, our member, uh, Gerald Broad, writes a newsletter for us every week and gives some links to this show. So, Javier, make sure you send me that link and, and we'll make sure we get in, in next week's newsletter. Our, on Everybody go to substack and look for informedchoicewa.org. There's a, a link on our news tab on our website. Um, as well. And then um, there's something, oh, here, I'll go ahead and, um, yeah, I, I'll figure it out if I can download. He, he put it in the chat. I don't want to do that while I'm working here on the air, Javier. Um, so uh, I wanted to share with you real quick. We, I know somebody's going to call in to tell us about a Spokane event. And then at the end of the show today, the last half hour, a very inspiring interview with a woman who she and her husband have a great business where they're just, they're doing business, making a great living, but living in their, walking in their truth, um, serving great organic food. And um, anyway, you'll see it's a great interview. Um, but I want to share with, with you a couple of things. First, at the end of the last hour, she was talking about, uh, Lynette told us about a website called the end of covid.com. So just go to just all one word, the end of COVID.com. Um, and there's a big launch of, and it looks really cool, doesn't it? There, it's like this old fashioned, um, like at the end of a black and white movie. So it, I think it's going to be this live on, or, or maybe recorded, but a whole, all of our favorite people lined up talking about how we're going to get out of this mess. I believe is what it's about. But go to the end of COVID.com and and learn. And I think there's a way to learn more. The other thing I wanted to share with, um, whoops, let me get back here, that I wanted to share with viewers is um, a Rumble video by Scott Shara, who we've had on this show a couple of times. So um, Rumble, if you go to the account called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad, and there's no apostrophe in Grace's, just Grace with an S. Deprogramming with Grace's dad on Rumble. And the name of the video, which was posted two days ago, hospitals and healthcare facilities are federally mandated killing fields, the proof in our defense. So when you watch this video, he goes through some of the things that, um, that Lynette was talking about goes, I mean, scroll that up just a little bit better there. Um, Javier, so he goes through some of these, these laws that passed at the federal level that basically turned hospitals into military, you know, zones where they could get away with this. He lays it all out and um, 
it's it's pretty powerful. We've got a lot of stuff to untangle. And wouldn't it be interesting if none of the people all these years who've been doing this nonsense, if none of them turned out to be officially sworn into office and all of it became invalidated? Although I think some of it was buried in like um, Obamacare and 21st Century Cures Act. You know, we have got to end the ability for 10,000 page bills to pass with yes. things buried in there that nobody knows what it is. That's just ridiculous that it, that it happens. We have to stop this, this nonsense. No. And the other thing is we need to make sure that we can fully audit each and every one of our departments, including the department of defense. It's, yeah. it's, it's the height of absurdity that they say, well, we can't keep track over so many different databases. That's absolutely absurd. Right. Right. No, it, it's got to be done. So a lot of work to do, but I'm very proud of Americans um, from in every quarter here is figuring out what to do in their own little favorite hotspot here. So while, while we're waiting to hear about that Spokane event, Javier, tell us about your work in Idaho, educating legislators about mRNA. Um, are you doing um, in the food supply? Is that the thing you're looking at? Or no, your uh, mRNA um for lack of a better word, vaccination technology. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly it. Um, mostly it was just trying to get, so uh, Idaho has, uh, you know, 35 senators and 70 legislators at the state level. And it is highly lopsided in that it is a conservative state. So it is mostly uh, Republican or conservative mm -hmm. in, in, its, uh, in its makeup. So uh, a lot of legislation that, you know, is proposed in terms of limiting federal power normally passes. Mm -hmm. um, but in the areas of uh, in, in high density areas like areas of Boise or uh, further up north in um, in uh, Warsaw, some of the larger cities, you, you do tend to you do tend to have a, a, a higher concentration of liberal or Democrat uh, voters mm -hmm. uh, in the district that I'm in. I am uh, in, in an area that has uh, a lot of Democrat voters. Okay. So the legislators that are in my district, they're all Democrats. Mm -hmm. And they all oppose any sort of legislation that would limit people's access to these mRNA injections. Okay. Now, the process has been, one of the things I've noticed is that I have no problem talking to any conservative or Republican. And for them realizing that, yeah, these are not valid. These are not helpful. They're up to date. They're actually well-informed mm -hmm. about um, uh, the, uh, the, the technology, the mRNA technology. Most Democrat legislators are not. They, they take their sources directly from the CDC. Yeah. Wow. And that's really concerning. Now, even pre-COVID, I found that systemically within the Democratic Party, there's a resistance to even listen. They will not dialogue. I, I've got a very famous story of me being at a state fair in Washington state. And I had a page from Physicians for Informed Consent. You know, this is pre-COVID dates and just some hard facts about why we need vaccine safety reform. And, you know, we need more oversight, that sort of thing. Um, and I walked up to, at the state fair to the Democrat table and they would not speak to me. They just said, go away. We will never be the party of the anti-vaxxers. And I said, I'm not talking anti-vaccine. I'm talking improved 
uh, consumer products. This is a, you know, um, consumer safety issue. And at one point, the woman stood up and shouted, if you don't leave, I will call security. Right. So what I did was I because we were just having this peaceful conversation at the time I was standing there with with Yale Cantor, who who's now on our board. She's a chiropractor. And we looked at each other like, did she just say she's calling security? We're just trying to have a little conversation here. So we just stood there and waited. And so she went out and it took like five, 10 minutes for somebody to arrive. And, and this nice young sheriff comes sauntering up and says, and, and at the end of it, he says, well, ma'am, I'm, I can't make her talk to you. I said, well, I know. I just wondered how far she'd go to get rid of me. This is ridiculous. So, so what is it? What, what is it systemically within that party that they are, they're told, do not even dialogue, do not listen to anything on this subject. One, it's, it's an inculcated, um, uh, basically the blocking of information channels to very select uh, very select uh, groups of, of information uh, channels mm-hmm. that that reinforces it too it's also the fragility of many of the of the uh, members of it and I do mean fragility in terms of the identity and the worldview that they have mm-hmm. on this for example the entirety of the medical um, edifice is vaccines are a good anyone that that goes against vaccination is trying to destroy something that is virtuous and good. Anything that is deleterious or potentially harmful to this edifice is bad. So it's a very binary, low resolution, but highly effective method of of keeping people contained. Right. And, you know, the beauty of COVID is it has shattered that illusion, that religion for a, a lot of people, for for whatever reason, the conservative outlook or something, rep- more Republicans were able to have that pulled away from their eyes to see and to listen. And I'm hoping that the Democrats come along. You know, I know and love a lot of Democrats. So I, you know, it shouldn't be a divisive political issue. It should be about consumer protection and about the science. And that said, this is a great segue. We've got a caller on the phone. His name is Doug Turner. And he um, is putting together a great event in Spokane, Washington, that's coming up on May 20th. Um, Hey, Doug, are you there? Yes, Bernadette. Thank you. Hi. Well, thank you for calling in. Um, You know, as Javier and I I were just talking about, you know, there's just so much information that still needs to be revealed. And then we need to find a path forward because, you know, we... We don't want to hang on to resentments and anger. We want to educate. We want the right people um, put on trial. Don't get me wrong. But we need to educate open minds and then find a healing path forward. And that's exactly what you've got. This event, you're calling it COVID Betrayal, A Path Forward. So tell us about it. Well, thank you again for the invitation. It's a delight to be on your program. Yes, um, COVID Betrayal, A Path Forward is the title and we've broken this program down into four key subject areas, the first being um, experimental gene therapy, or what's commonly called vaccine um, injury. Okay. And the second segment is medical ethics. Um, the third is public, I'm sorry, the third is mental health. Ooh, and the one. fourth, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just said that's a big one. <laughs> Mental health, yes. Mental health is something that it's, it's, it's broad, it's deep, it's something that we weren't able to cover at our Wenatchee 
event, mm-hmm. and um, we're we're going to dig into that um, in in a big way right. here in in Spokane on on May twentieth. So, really appreciate you allowing us to come on the program and and promote this. Yeah, and you know, Informed Choice Washington um, out there, my you know, which I'm with, of course, and Javier is part of the membership. Um, uh, but other people at Informed Choice Washington have been helping out. We're we're helping uh, facilitate this event, and very uh, very honored to do so. To work with work with you, um, Children's Health Defense is is working alongside uh, with it a little bit. You know, we've got a Washington chapter that's beginning to be formed. So we're sort of unofficially. Um, uh, in the picture there with this fantastic event. And who's your keynote speaker? Well, you know, we have a number of keynote speakers. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be leading off on the vaccine side, the vaccine injury side. We're going to lead off with Dr. Ryan Cole. Um, the second speaker will be um, another gentleman I'm sure you're familiar with, Dr. Kirk Milham. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are going to be two primary speakers we have on, on the vaccine side. Um, on the medical ethics side, we have Dr. Richard Amerling uh, from the wellness community in Florida. He'll be joining us. Okay. Um, on the hospital side, um, it's, it's really hospital crimes, as you well know. And, and this is focused on the group Humanity Betrayal Memory Project, which I know you're familiar with. Yes. And yes. they're going to be speaking about um, the 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 success that we're seeing in California in a couple of jurisdictions regarding um, the use of remdesivir. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth um, keynote speaker is a woman by the name of Amanda Ewing, and she is a mental health specialist. We're going to end the program with John Stockton. And, of course, here in Spokane, John is beloved, and uh, he'll, be, uh, he'll be wrapping up our program and followed by a uh, a kind gesture of his to answer questions and sign autographs after the official close of our program. John has, has agreed to stick around for another 20 to 30 minutes and satisfy the, uh, the needs <laughs> of the audience to have a, a, a close up with him. So uh, we have wow. a number of, of, of keynote speakers. We like to think that there's, you know, every, every subject area deserves its own event. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And one, one subject area that I neglected to mention uh, was was the hospital crimes. So, mm-hmm. um, again, the program's divided into, into vaccine injury, mental health, um, hospital crimes, and um, and uh, John will be wrapping up the program. I think I skipped one. So it's it's vaccines, <laughs> it's mental health, it's hospital, and it's uh, public uh, or medical ethics, I should say. Medical ethics. Wow, that's wonderful. And I'm seeing there that Turning Point USA is um, also helping out with this. That's great. And, you know, they have a kind of a focus on a a faith foundation. Um, And then Eastern Washington Freedom Alliance. Is that your organization, Doug? Well, you know, we have been using, actually, we've just been piggybacking on um, Informed Choice Washington Spokane Chapter. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> um, we're kind of it, we're kind of in a transition mode to see what is going to be the the best fit for us, the best niche to brand ourselves. But uh, so that is yet to be determined. But yes, okay. both both of those uh, names are being uh, deployed in in really a, a synonymous way. 
Okay. Yeah. And I, I want to let um, listeners know you can go to our website, informedchoicewa.org, and then just look on the event tab and it's there in the drop down menu. You could go there to get your tickets. And it's only 10 bucks a person. Um, it's just to, I believe I was told that it's just enough to cover, you know, trying to collect enough to cover the cost of the venue. Um, you know, it's, um, it, it's not supposed to be a moneymaker. It's supposed to, you know, unify people, bring y'all together. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, are all of your keynote speakers going to be there in person or some of them zooming in? How is that going to unfold? Yeah. Three of our speakers are going to be via Zoom. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Ryan Cole is actually going to be traveling in California, so he's leading off. Um, that's going to be followed by Dr. Kirk Milhone. You may recall had an outstanding presentation in front of Ron Johnson's subcommittee, Senate subcommittee hearing a year ago. He's going to be zooming in as well. He's going to, he's traveling currently in the East Coast. Okay. And uh, the other speaker that uh, is going to be zooming in is Dr. Richard Amerling, who had a really a phenomenal um, presentation. Um, at our Wenatchee event in January, mm-hmm. as, as you mm-hmm. all know. And people are still talking about his ability to synthesize some complex information, give people the lay of the land, where our medical system is today, what the reasons are for it. And again, um, an escape patch, some some things that we need to do to reform our, our health system to ensure that the likelihood of this happening again are reduced. But that yeah. is a very thick subject and one that's very difficult to weigh through in 25 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And do you see this as, you know, I love that it's got, it's, it's looking ahead and it's looking for action. So do you see this as say, I guess it would be the second of more conversations to come in this community level way? Yes. You know, this is not uh, just another one-off um, event that, that is destined for the memory hole. Um, mm-hmm. We intend to uh, to dig in and be a force for information, for, for powerful content uh, to further our movement. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it can take many forms. Um, it can manifest itself in many different ways. And uh, there are so many topics. Unfortunately, it is a target-rich environment. There are many things that we need to touch on. And it might be something as, as local as a church, you know, on a Friday night sometime. It might be a larger mm-hmm. event like the one we're embarking on here in Spokane. But the point is, is that we have an outstanding volunteer team. They're all extremely committed. They're, they're, they're passionate. They're very talented. And we think we can create a very strong niche here in Spokane and, and, and provide an example and a model for other communities around the country to replicate. That That's wonderful. You know, there is a great, strong team uh, working over there. Um, in Spokane, the people in Spokane are sort of, I found uniquely spunky, you know, I've admired them for years, you know, there's some of our, you know, most strident, you know, stick with it, not afraid to step up and, and get her done kind of people. Um, so that that's fantastic. I that you guys are doing this and it's going to be the first of many people are really kind of sick of talk, talk, talk. They're, they're okay with talk as long as it's followed up by action and they're hungry for action, hungry for direction of what can we do? So uh, Doug, thank you so much for calling in today. I'm at, you're at work. I believe and you just called on a break. So thank you for taking time off your break. We'll let you go so you can go get something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Bernadette. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we'll we'll keep telling people about it. You take care.
All right. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Well, that's going to be wonderful. May 20th in Spokane. Go to informchoicewa.org and look on the event tab and you will find that. So um, we've got a few more minutes, Javier, before we uh, move on to the recording of that interview with Ashley Hogenkamp of Urban Market. I wanted to kind of talk to you about, um, I've been talking with like or with the wonderful Bob Runnels of Informed Choice Washington about revamping um, how we run the radio show. So I kind of want to oh, talk to you a little perfect. bit about that. You know, when this show started, there was no CHD TV. Right. Right. And there were very few pl places where you could go and, and really find interviews of some of the top meet people in all of this. But now, holy moly, we are, I mean, look at all that's available. It is an embarrassment of riches, of sources. Right. And I feel like what I would love to do, um, and this was kind of an idea um, put forward by Bob and the wonderful Katie, but something I've been spinning around as well. What we're like, I just told Doug, people are hungry for action and very specific action, what they can do where they are. And because our show is um, mostly funded by the wonderful members of Informed Choice Washington, um, I'm thinking maybe first hour reformat us so and we can make it sort of pacific northwesty bringing news every week of what's mm -hmm. happening but always tie that to some action let's let's right. give people that those action calls what can they do um how can we inspire them give them that information they need to live an informed life um and make it very community specific you like the idea he's not i do <laughs> i do yeah that's a great idea yeah because i feel like you know that what's missing with all this information now arising what's missing it's it's that more specific so i think that's what we'll do and then what we'll do is that second hour we will um, then do a, a, an interview every week, bring somebody in to highlight or two people in maybe two half hour segments. Um, so, so watch for that. We're going to, we're going to kind of shake things up and kind of rebrand it and redefine ourselves in this wonderful world of people um, jumping on air. So I'm, I'm glad you like the idea. I do. Um, I'm needing a producer. So Bob said, I'm going to put him on the spot on air here. He said he would initially begin to, fill that role to help us build it. But, you know, if some of our great listeners out there really like the idea of happy, helping produce this, because, you know, it, it's a little bit more labor intensive to produce it this way and have the information and have it put together and have slides and um, such, uh, we could really use that help. In fact, Informed Choice Washington and the, the, under construction, Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense, we need volunteers across the board. You know, yeah. we need people, we need writers, editors, people who could do WordPress, uh, people willing to be citizen reporters and media monitors to keep track of all the nonsense go out there so we can start calling out the nonsense yeah. that's being said. Um, and uh, we need some people to help us produce different events, produce maybe a, a different version of this show, uh, social media. We really need help. I mean, it's interesting, Javier, don't you think as uh, Congress it has all these um, meetings where they're pulling in social media um, people and we're learning about censorship, they continue to do it. Oh, yeah. They're still doing it. They're, not they're being stop. called on the carpet, but they're still doing it. They're not so going to stop. <laughs> 
it's not, well, they will eventually. We'll get a handle on this. They'll they'll do it as long as they can get away with it. And unfortunately, until Congress says we're going to change the laws, yeah, and you're going to be become liable. But the problem is, of course, that most of the information that is out there suggests that this is not just uh, uh, the federal government. This is also intelligence agencies, not only from the United States, but from other countries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to do, but you know we're figuring it out. We're building this parallel society exactly. where truth and justice in the American way still works, right? Exactly. And, and we don't. We need to reinvent America. We just need to go back with the founding fathers so wisely already, you know, set up for us, and just go back to doing that. Yeah. And and learning about sustainability and and all that good stuff. And um, we have so, yeah, all the tools we need. All the tools we need. Um, yeah, so in about one more minute, we're going to be, uh, or two more minutes, we're going to be uh, starting that video. Any last words to set people off this weekend before we go to that that audio? Uh, be hopeless. That way you will actually work towards making it a reality. Because if you hope, you're hoping that someone else will step in. Oh. You have to step in. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting spin on the word hopeless. Yes. Um, I let's see what Bernadette would more say is we're not here to save you. We're, we're here to help you save yourself. Yeah, that's exactly. And, and, you know, that is the perfect segue because this next, uh, woman, Ashley Hogan camp that I interviewed, it's amazing to me. She and her husband saw a need and they wanted to feed their own kids and they wanted a place to go where they could trust they could get something from the restaurant or buy something from the grocery store side and know that it was locally sourced, organic, no GMOs, no pesticides, all that. And so what did they do? They sold their house and, and built the business. Amazing. So that's perfect. So we're going to be inspired here. Um, let me look at the time here. And in, in just a minute, we're going to be inspired. I'm, I'm, I'll let um, my wonderful, our wonderful engineer at the station, let me know when it's time. One of these day, these days, Nathan, you know, he's trained, he's a pro and Bernadette's still just an amateur. I just still ball along. One of these days I'll figure out how to do these segues and, <laughs> and a more night. Maybe if we get a, a producer to help, um, that'll be uh, a little bit better. I don't want to, uh, but Nathan does a fantastic job of, of keeping us in line. And let's see, there he goes. Here we go. Okay, so everybody have a great weekend. Listen to this great interview, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye now. Urban Market is definitely not your typical restaurant or grocery store. In fact, the way that we source may not even exist. Matt and I felt a calling a long time ago to bring this type of restaurant experience to the world because we just couldn't find it. It didn't exist. We want to be able to feed families from our restaurant with food that's free of chemicals, additives, toxins, pesticides, artificial sweeteners and dyes, you name it. We just wanted food that our bodies could recognize and use for energy and true health. Urban Market differs from other restaurants in a lot of ways. Our restaurant is organic. With its in-house bakery, we make everything from scratch, including the breads, buns, tortillas, pizza crust, sauces, dressings, etc. All of our meats and eggs that are served in our restaurant are 100% grass-fed and pastured from local farms. And then all of our food is made to order. It's customizable for whatever dietary or allergy needs someone may have. Our coffee bar at Urban Market is actually all organic with locally roasted organic beans, 
We only use local milks, house-made syrups so we can control the quality. And we've stayed true to our mission from the conception of the entire store and the coffee bar. And it's to serve the highest quality organic foods and products and then have fun as we all journey towards a wholesome, healthy, and happy life with our community alongside us. Because health, we actually think, is worth committing to and investing in. And that's our family standard, and we share it with a lot of others. At Urban, we invest in living well. Even if you don't care about whether the food is healthy, we're going to win you with the flavors. We have tons to offer and something for everyone. And if we would not feed it to our family, it is not going into the store. And to be able to walk into a place that's already vetted with some of the cleanest, highest quality, and best tasting food in the world, with the smiling faces to serve it to you, we feel it is changing the world one day at a time to be a little healthier and a little brighter, and that makes it all worth it. And that is Urban Market, spelled H-E-R-B-A-N, Market. Welcome to An Informed Life Radio, Ashley Hogenkamp, a co-founder of this amazing enterprise. Thank you so much for having me. So you and I recently met because your um, your company, Urban Market, did the catering at the launch of the Tennessee chapter of Children's Health Defense. And we were so very grateful, <clears throat> especially given the fact that you don't usually cater anymore. But when you found out about Children's Health Defense coming to your area, uh, you guys were as excited uh, as we are to be here. <laughs> Yeah, we, um, we've been growing, which is a good sign that more and more people are liking what we're serving. Hopefully it's because of the whole picture, you know, the quality as well as the flavors that um, people are, more and more people are waking up to. Um, so we've been growing at such a fast pace that we've had to put the brakes on a few things and catering is one of those. But yeah, when we um, were contacted by Jessica um, about this event and we were like, well, we have to figure out a way to to start catering with you guys and then kind of do that as we could, you know. Catering is something we're gonna add, you know, that we're planning to add. Um, but yeah, we were we were honored to be a part of that event because that's that's a very special one to our family. Well, thank you. We were so glad that you were there, you know, right at the beginning of all of this. And and there's just so much on that little video um, on your website that we that we just listened to that I absolutely love that's so aligned with who I am and the mission of children's health defense. And so I want to talk about that. Um, let's start with the mission of urban markets. So can you explain, you know, how you began this? Because what, what we're trying to do on an informed life radio, besides giving information, which at times can be overwhelming and frightening, <laughs> about what's going mm -hmm. wrong in the world. We really want to celebrate people who um, have decided the way things should be to make us all healthy and happy. Um, and, and they're, they're putting their action, you know, right there um, at work. So how did that work for you? How did that all come to be? You know, it's, it's kind of crazy to even read our story for myself, because it was such a leap of faith for us. 
Um, but it really just boiled down to what my husband and I wanted, you know, as consumers, as parents. So we were new parents when we decided to open the first version of Urban Market, which was primarily health food market um, with some drip coffee. And we had plans to add pieces to it, but um, it really was just rooted in our own personal journey of feeding our family nothing but the best, you know, because there's such a range of high quality. You can find something that's $15 and then you could find the same quality for 150, but it takes a lot of time to research where there's value, you know, mm -hmm. and which one is um, a trustworthy source. Because unfortunately, like you said, there's so much information mm -hmm. that we all are processing and digesting and trying to apply to our life that it, it becomes overwhelming. And so as a, a new mom, um, and then one that was still trying to have a career, I found I was already not doing either of those fully. I felt like I was split, but then I also felt like it was a full-time job to research every single ingredient and food and the brand and the process and where it was sourced and, you know, every detail of it, which was important to me to understand and then comparing that with price and convenience of accessing it. So it really just came down to, gosh, there's got to be a more convenient way for working parents or, you know, prof young professionals or individuals to be able to access the highest quality conveniently at the best price. And there's, I think a lot of stores that maybe do that. And, you know, Whole Foods was, I, I think our main source when we were living in Houston, Texas. Um, and it was after making a trip there that I realized I had way overpaid for a product. And so I, I just kind of frustrated me. And I was, I think, venting to my husband after dinner, like, I can't believe I paid such and such for this. I think it was like a jar of ketchup or something. It was very <laughs> random. But it was like, this is the same brand in the same quality product as, you know, like a great value brand that had, was loaded with pesticides. And I paid four times the cost for it because it mm -hmm. had a green label. Mm -hmm. And but it was just aggravating that that I didn't have just peace of mind when I went shopping that if I spent a dollar, it was worth a dollar. So it really was just rooted in what we wanted as parents. And so we decided um, to quit our jobs and we sold our house and everything and put a bunch of pennies into urban market. So what you just said there is like, for some people, you said it so casually, Ashley. <laughs> so we quit our jobs and we sold our house and we put <laughs> everything we had into this urban market. I mean, wow, that takes so much courage. But you, you know, must have just felt that if we build it, they will come shopping, right? <laughs> you know, we thought, okay, we, we had made a good investment in a time when nobody was buying homes. And so we, we had bought in a smart place. And so we, we could have made a few dollars off of selling our house. And I think most people would have used that to buy a bigger home or, you know, pay off part of their home. And we thought, mm -hmm. well, why not, you know, just roll yeah. the dice and try this thing. I don't think we were prepared for how big of an of a audience there was for this and how many parents and individuals and families felt isolated and felt like they were the only ones that kind of shared that same lifestyle and mission. 
Mm-hmm. So that's been a positive, you know, overwhelming in, in starting a business was how many people we've been able to thread together and bring together mm-hmm. with the common mission of just health. And to yes. us, that's physical health and that affects mental health and um, emotional and spiritual and just the community that it's grown through better or worse, you know, through mm-hmm. COVID, it was a, a, so many people are like, you are our safe place mm-hmm. because it was a place yes. that everyone was already preparing for pathogens and, you know, that they yeah. had a strong immune uh, system and defense. Yes. And you touched on something so important. That's that sense of community. So you and your husband followed your passion, decided to provide something that was so important to you and share that with others. And it's, you know, you weren't profit driven. You were like, okay, so how do we make a living? Because obviously you have to be able to make a living, whatever you're doing, but how do we make a living doing what we believe in? And I just love that you just picked up and did it. That is, it's so exciting. Um, And I hope others can see that, you know, it is possible. Of course, it's great if your spouse is on board with you hundred percent, right? (laughs) Makes a big difference. And I I tell you when the the first time I went into your store, I was meeting with Jessica and um, who's uh, Jessica Bells is awesome. uh, Other one of the people at our Tennessee chapter here. Um, And we were sitting at like, you've got this nice little window coffee bar kind of area. And this one of your customers noticed the CHD logo. And she said, do you guys have anything to do with Children's Health Defense? And we said, why? (laughs) Why? Yes, we do. And she said, I love you guys. What's going on? And um, and she ended up coming to the launch. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so it is you go in there and, you know, the people shopping there are people who are aligned with you with your approach to health. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of things associated with health, the politics of health, um, which is huge. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be politics, but it is, but it just so much. And then there's that feeling, like you said, of trust um, that you could walk in there and trust that, Hey, I can go up to the bakery and I know I can get that goodie. It's a splurge, but at least I know it's organic, locally sourced, homemade. Right. So some mm-hmm. of the guilt is gone. Right. <laughs> And it's it, it's such a feeling of comfort for that. And then as people find each other and it becomes like the Mecca of, you know, you, you stop in there, you know, you're going to see people and then it grows from there, you know, and expands out. And it's part of that sort of parallel society that it's exciting that we're seeing rise up. And, and if we channel our dollars toward the world we want to, to see and, and be and live in, those businesses can thrive. And if we take them away from the businesses not doing it right, I tell you one thing, let's plant a seed out there, Ashley. I want somebody to start a fast food drive-through restaurant where I can go through and get a grass-fed pasture-raised beef burger on an organic bun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be lovely, you know? Um, you, you know, <laughs> it, it's interesting. You, you made a couple points that, that I just think are really important to, to expand on one, as you said, um, the business piece of it. And mm-hmm. we, our goal was to be able to pay our bills and that's pretty much still our goal. It's, it's interesting. We thought, you know, if we don't prioritize 
the profit of it and we truly focus on the mission and serving people, then we just felt like the business was going to fall, follow behind, you know, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. and it has, and it's been, the hospitality industry is really, really challenging. Um, mm-hmm. Especially after COVID with rising costs, you had a lot of people who did not see the difference there. thus the value of 100% grass fed made from scratch, you know, buns and dressings, which is eliminating any artificial, anything, any preservatives. So you have this weird balance between what people find value in Mm -hmm. and then what they're willing to pay. So for us, it's like, well, we can't just do this for free. Like we have to be able to pay our employees well to give back to the community and to pay our bills. And, and that that's been a really big challenge. And we recently, so it's interesting watching this video that you opened up with. We've already raised the bar a few times, even from there. Like recently we just announced that we're 100% avocado oil and extra virgin olive oil. Oh, that's awesome. And that was a challenge because of the volume of our store Mm -hmm. to find the volume of organic avocado oil and a price point that we felt like people were willing to pay, right? Mm -hmm. Because there comes Mm -hmm. a point where someone's like, I'm just not going to pay $30 for a burger, Mm -hmm. you know, even if that's what it costs. And so when you were talking about like a drive through, it's that it's that convenience piece of it that is in the speed of it, which we've actually improved significantly, but it's all still made to order because Mm -hmm. you don't have the preservatives. You don't have the, you know, and we don't fry anything. So you can't do it super quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but if, restaurants. So we, when we made that announcement about the avocado oil, so stepping back to that, we had a huge response. I mean, people were just 99.9% of them were just like incredibly grateful for our commitment to making sure it's not like if you eat out at a restaurant, you can go to urban, but like you can eat there for every meal every day and you're being nourished. There's nothing toxic. There's nothing poisonous or harmful. It's the exact opposite of that. You remember that documentary film with the the guy went to like McDonald's for how many, how many days? I mean, in his health. Oh yeah. Super plummeted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Super size me. But if you went to urban market for 30 days or 60 days or 60 years by gum, you're going to be nourished because it's real food. (laughs) Well, and we've had a lot of people say that's trendy. We're like, no, no, no. We're actually just trying to get back to the way we should be eating the way we would be eating, but doing it in a different way to where it's convenient. Cause that's the other thing that is like a working mom, you know, that I needed something convenient. We Mm -hmm. we shouldn't have to pick like, okay, am I going to poison my children with fast food, but it's fast and I can feed them or home cooked, organic nourishing meal. You know, Mm -hmm. we're trying to marry the two, the two needs. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, something that I was, I was mentioning that avocado oil, announcement that we made, we had someone say, gosh, I wish more restaurants would do this and they wouldn't poison their patrons. Yeah. And I had to defend the rest of the restaurants because just being in the industry, if owners and managers don't care or they're not knowledgeable about it, that there is no reason to do it. I mean, because it is hard. Like this has Mm -hmm. been a two years in the working just to get switched to avocado oil. And, and it's, it's like the world is just filled with people who are just now maybe catching on that eating fried foods or, you know, I could go into a lot of right. stuff, but you know, a lot of things that are harming our bodies that they, they're just, they don't justify value in that yet. 
No. And, you know, it's America. I mean, I'm, I'm a believer in, you know, free market system and capitalism and all that. But one of the dark sides is that small companies got get bought by bigger companies, get bought by bigger companies. And then whatever that mom and pop started out with their, their goals and their missions to, you know, provide whatever it is, whether it be, you know, good food or good medicine, um, Mm -hmm. soon, you know, it becomes just an industry where Mm -hmm. it's about the bottom line. And we've seen that across the board, you've got you know, now Whole Foods is owned by Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't know what you can trust. It's, it's, and the employees are just employees. It's no longer this. We believe in this. That's why we got a job here sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we, we've seen the devastation of medicine becoming an industry and the people involved in it being told what to do and everything goes back to profits, every angle. Um, We've seen the dangers of that. And so I love that people are waking up and realize we got to get back to quality. We got to get back to doing what feels right in our heart and soul. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then finding a way to make a living and to thrive in this way. Ashley, one of the, one of the problems, it's not huge, but it's there in this whole medical freedom and form consent sort of movement that we've got is sometimes there's within the ranks some resentment of somebody dares actually make a living in um in like promoting wellness you know right because mm-hmm. it's like well maybe they maybe they're just doing it for the money right mm-hmm. and we 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 we've got to stop that and i mean obviously you you check out who it is you're going to do business with but we have to start supporting those that are really trying to just build this better world and and encourage them to keep at it and to stay true to their mission. A couple other things that I love about your approach, it's it's this mission for real food, which leads to real health, um, but done in a fun way Mm -hmm. that incorporates community. You know, when you're trying to transition from the, you go to the store that's down the road, the big supermarket, um, and, you know, kind of moving away from your own choices that feed into this whole industrial complex, it's it's a little, I guess, because change is, is new and it's a little different. I think people don't quite realize the community you're going to begin to build when you begin to look to shop local and and find oh, those yeah. local sources. It brings you back home and you're going to you're going to meet people and realize, "Oh my goodness, you're my neighbor. I've seen you getting the mail, right?" Yeah. And you might not have that experience as these big supermarkets, but you will in your little stores that are close by. Um community we have found through COVID is so important. Well, and I think it's interesting. It seems like the world is so connected. They're always on devices, Mm -hmm. but they're so disconnected. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, how can you be so connected with someone and have no clue how to connect with someone in person? Mm -hmm. And it seems like everyone's craving that, that emotional, the seeing the children, seeing the children, you know, the photos shared on social media and stories and emotions. But then when you get together, and you pass each other in a big supermarket, there's no, there's no sense of 
community. There's no sense of neighbors. There's no sense of connection, which is really disturbing because I think it's Mm -hmm. getting worse, but, but urban, and this was nothing that Matt and I envisioned, but something that we got to witness unfold was, especially through COVID people were craving community. They were craving human contact because Mm -hmm. we were being forced to, to isolate. Yes. Um, and, at Urban, we did, our family did not shut down one day. I mean, we. Oh, fantastic. We did not shut down. We were, um, whatever, <laughs> forget the term that they use, right? We were restaurant. We were essential. We were, we were essential. Yeah, we were three <laughs> times essential. We were a health food store. We were a grocery store and we were a restaurant. And we, you know, we had to like close down a certain percentage of dining. And, you know, there were layers for a temporary amount of time. Um, but other than that, like we just swung all of our labor from restaurant prep to prepping for people to take home and stock their, their freezers and refrigerators. So mm-hmm. that was, that was kind of cool to be able to pivot what we were, how we were serving the community, but then even people coming in and, oh gosh, there's people and they could sit down. And I think that they were craving that. And then they were, they were craving it with people that had a similar mission and focus for health, right? Because we're going mm-hmm. through this health like crisis and everyone's terrified in the world. And then you've got a bunch of other people that are like, well, you know, I've been kind of preparing for whatever pathogen comes my way. I think I can handle this, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you find other people and you're like, I think we got this. Oh, you're, you know, and so you have this yeah. sharing of ideas and data mm-hmm. and you had, you know, medical professionals of all sorts and different leaders in the community and just coming together and having camaraderie as well as validating your thoughts, opinions and research you had done was so powerful. And it's just, we've had a lot of people say, this is like cheers only for food. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I do think, you know, I mean, in some areas it's, it's, they're going away from that, but I really do think overall we're moving toward what you just described, you know, and and my new little hometown here in Northeast part of the state, you know, this is the family community feeling that's building. Um, And it's so wonderful. It's, it's more than I ever had in my life. And I'm like, this is what people need. Do you remember that video that went viral after like the first big shutdown and they finally opened up. I mean, I never did. I, I never stopped doing any, I mean, some places might've closed, but I didn't, I just, I went everywhere and saw family and whatever, but some people did isolate. And it was, I think they were two cousins, little kids. They were like five years old and they got to see each other for the first time in months and they approached each other and then they started to hug and then they started to cry Oh, and it was so, oh, it was so precious. They didn't, nobody expected the kids to be, they thought they'd just be happy. Yay, good to see you. But once they touched and held each other, they were so overwhelmed with the emotion of being physically together again. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it just shows how criminal it was for them to ever shut us down and lock us up and keep us apart, you know? Oh, I agree. I mean, you even look at data of the orphanage, I think it was in Germany or I forget which country it was. I, I read an article years ago about the the children, the babies that were cared for as far as food and and nourishment and they had clothing, but they weren't touched and interacted with and they died. Oh. And there were all of these these babies in these orphanages, right? That they're feeding mm-hmm. and they're clothing, mm-hmm. but they had no human interaction, no hugging, no touching, 
And these children were literally dying. Wow. And so as powerful as that is. And so I'm, I'm of a Christian belief and faith and relationships are everything. Relationships, Mm -hmm. our business relationships, our health relationships are, I think the reason why we're on this earth and to, to be able to nourish those, whether it's just having a a brick and mortar place where people see one another and share ideas Mm -hmm. as well as, as a place to like, for me, it's kind of nice because I can bring people together through coffee and food. Mm-hmm. And, um, but to be able to nourish in all of these ways and have human connection, I mean, that to me is just, that's the best part of life. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Well, Ashley Hogenkamp, it has been an absolute delight and pleasure to meet you, to to enjoy your delicious food. I wish you weren't four and a half hours away from me. <laughs> We do have a great little place here in our town, but um, so, so appreciative of what you're doing and for your time and for your inspiring others to let them know that, you know, you can perhaps choose a path um, where you can make a living uh, standing in your value um, and creating community with others. So uh, absolutely. Well, thanks for inviting me to uh, talk with you. Hi, I'm Brad Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PGI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PGI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit PGI. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.